What up, 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 what's up folks, what's going on, welcome to episode 71 of the Spun Today podcast, I'm your host, Tony Ortiz, thank you in advance for listening. This episode, as always, is brought to you in part by the fine folks over at Amazon. If you want to help support the podcast, visit my Amazon affiliate link page at sponsoraycom forward slash affiliate links. Click on the Amazon banner and do your shopping as you normally do. It does not cost you anything extra, and it's a way to help support the show financially. In this episode, I speak about going to the theater to watch Boss Baby and seeing a movie that I had never heard of that came out in 2016 starring Eddie Murphy. Mr. Church. I also speak about UFC Fight Night, Johnson vs. Rays. And lastly, I read and reflect on some of my free writing, which is located, you know where, at spuntoday.com forward slash free writing. If you're into any of that good stuff, stick around. So first off, rest in peace to Charlie Murphy. As most of you may know by now, that is Charlie, uh, Charlie, that is Eddie Murphy's brother. That older brother, if I'm not mistaken, that recently passed away at the age of, I believe, 51 or 57 um, after a battle with leukemia. He was also a, a headlining uh, touring comic and uh, just sad circumstances. My wife actually just told me that his his wife passed away in 2009 from ovarian cancer, uh, which must, must be fucking rough on the family, uh, dealing with losing both your parents. You know, virtually the same way we, uh, through cancer, so. Fuck cancer. And, um, it was actually because of that that I stumbled upon this movie, Mr. Church. Which, as I just told you guys, I had never heard of before. And I was watching an interview with, uh, Eddie Murphy. Uh, like, a clip of an interview where he was speaking about his brother and stuff like that. And how his brother... Charlie was one of the first impressions that he's he ever did uh, growing up when he was like a little kid. He j- just used to like mock and and mimic his brother. And um, to this day, <clears throat> it's one of the like voices or whatever that he does. And he does it like pretty spot on. If you've ever if you've ever heard it. And this interview happened to be an interview. Um, that he was doing to plug this movie called Mr. Church, which I had never heard of. And I looked it up, and it seemed like a like an interesting so interesting enough story. And I watched it with my wife, and uh, um, I was glad I did. It was, a, it was a pretty dope movie. The writing was great. It was like a very like poetic writing, romantic writing. And the also i'm a take that with a grain of salt because i'm i'm an easy sell with any movie that is narrated or any story that's narrated uh throughout uh, which this one was i enjoy movies like that for whatever reason um just the story of it was spoiler alert if anybody hasn't seen it i'm gonna speak a bit about the movie as i do in all like these like movie type reviews or whatever um the story the story was pretty much a man by the name of Mr. Church, played by Eddie Murphy. And by the way, it's like a serious uh, type movie. It's not like a comedy. Um, this guy named Mr. Church is paid off by a gentleman that apparently had a lot of money. They never got into what that gentleman did, I don't think. 
or if they did i didn't didn't catch on to it i got the impression that it was some sort of like mafioso type shit but maybe that's just my mental bend or whatever um in terms of like making that connection but the the story goes that a single mother uh, used to date this let's call him uh, mafioso character and he he died but he paid off um mr church to look after uh the single mother uh, because the single mother had cancer and she was dying she had um six months to live and the the uh ex-boyfriend of the of the single mother uh, which passed away uh paid off mr church to like look after and cook and and stuff like that she had a a a young girl a daughter that was and i want to say like 10 years old at the time when mr church like entered their lives and he did he looked after them and that six month uh period turned into uh i believe six years or 10 years or something like that and the mother you know survived that long and then she wound up passing away in that time period you know they they bonded they became family and it was a rough start at first um but then through his cooking because he was like just like master chef dude um that was very private but very accommodating um to the woman and and the young girl and you know looked after them then the young girl moves away uh to college after the mother passes away and you know she still keeps in touch with mr church and the movie's uh mainly about a, uh, like a friendship between like them two and it's kind of like a paternalistic uh, type of relationship and they will look out for for one another but like i said mr church was a like a very private man he he was you know in this story that he's into jazz because he's always playing jazz in the background when uh while he's cooking um he's like some like master iron chef type dude and that's actually how he wins the little girl over who didn't want him in their lives uh to be you know in the beginning um you know she just wanted to she just wanted it to be her and mommy and uh through his cooking which was phenomenal um, he won the little girl over, obviously the mother appreciated the help and, um, besides jazz and cooking, he was also into reading, like he had tons and tons of books and he used to, um, share the books with the, with the mother and he brought a boatload of books to the house and told the little girl to, you know, give her some recommendations to start reading and she didn't like reading and then she got into reading, uh, because of him and, um, you also see him like doodling in in a little like notebook um like taking notes or something uh, while he's cooking and uh, besides that you don't know much about him he's kind of you know you don't know if he has a like a family of his own or anything like that at the end of like each night after he cleans up you know he cooks breakfast and um lunch and dinner looks after you know does all the grocery shopping and stuff like that and then cleans up at the end of the night and then leaves and then the next morning comes back does the same thing over and over again for six years and the little girl's always wondering like where where does he go and stuff like that and then one day when she's older um i believe it was when she was coming back from college i don't remember if she dropped out or if she finished i think she dropped out and or took a 
took some time off. Uh, she took some time off, actually, if I'm not mistaken, because she got knocked up. She comes back around the way and visits Mr. Mr. Church. And um, she actually, like, driving around, she sees Mr. Church in front of a, a nightclub, like a jazz club. And he's just, like, hanging out with a, few, with a few people, and then he goes into it. And that nightclub supposedly had, a, like, a bad rep. And she knew she he was into jazz, but she didn't know exactly what he was doing there because he was like you know the stand up kind of guy, and you know it's like a nightclub that has like a bad rep, and he's just chilling there. And um, she's curious about that. And long story short, you know her being pregnant, not being with with uh, the guy that knocked her up, Mr. Church is like back in their lives, and then he she kind of like assumes the role of the mother, of her mother that passed away, and her daughter assumes like her role. And uh, Mr. Church continues in his role of, of supporting supporting them, and he allows her to move in with him. And it's like a, a very similar, like, deja vu-ish type of relationship. In moving in with Mr. Church, this is where she finds out, like, a little bit more about him in terms of he must have had a troubled past because he comes home drunk from this uh, nightclub that he sneaks off to, like, a couple nights a week. And you hear him... Um, he's like arguing with himself like talking to himself type of thing you know like a belligerent drunk kind of way and and he's like arguing with his father uh what it's he i believe um that's what i got from it and you know he's saying things like oh you're not you know i'm bigger than you now you can't keep hitting me and mama and blah 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 you know like stuff like that and um then she realizes that you know that that part of him so she like writes it off that he used to go to the nightclub and just get drunk and listen to jazz and stuff like that because he was into jazz anyway long story short he or my my favorite part about the movie and i don't want to give you know more than i already did away is that he you know by the end of the movie we realized that like he drew like in that notebook that he was scribbling and he was like drawing doing drawings like when the little girl was with her her friend um from school and they were having lunch um in the kitchen and he cooked you know made them a grilled cheese sandwich or whatever and he like drew them and you know he drew pictures of the mother and he just drew and like drew like awesome like an artist type shit and he's obviously a phenomenal cook uh, which everybody thought that that was his thing and he was like the man at and then she when the when the girl visited from college and stayed in his house she snuck into his room once and she saw a painting on the wall like a you know like i guess like watercolor paintings or whatever like a canvas type painting and he he painted a portrait of her mother had passed so he was like an awesome painter also and then eventually um mr church passes away spoiler alert and i believe it was cancer as well like some, something with the with his lungs i think it was cancer the girl is there obviously at the funeral and as well as as uh, the little girl's daughter which was very attached to mr church by this time and help you know helping raise her and you know uh, other people that that weren't mr church's life but that the girl didn't necessarily know and then a a a gentleman comes in and he happens to be he introduces himself to the girl the girl tells 
uh, says, oh, hi, I'm so-and-so. And he was like, oh, I've heard I've heard a lot about you from, from Mr. Church. And and she was like, oh, I'm sorry, who are you? And then he explains that he's the owner of that of that nightclub that has, like, that bad rep. And um, he was like, oh, wow, it's, it's so great to meet, you know, somebody that, that was close with, with Mr. Church also, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, just some, some small talk. And then she's like, oh, here, here's um, here's a here's a plate of food or whatever you know try this peach cobbler it was it was actually mr church's recipe and he takes a bite and he's like my god it's like phenomenal this is the best peach cobbler i've ever tasted and he's like i didn't even know he could cook and then the girl's like kind of like taken aback because that's like the only thing she knew him for you know and then um um like she asked more about him like what you know did you know, he just frequent the club a lot or, you know, what was the deal? And he he was like, oh, no, he used to go and he used to play the piano. He used to play jazz. And she was like, oh, so he worked he worked there. He worked nights there or something like that. And he was like, oh, no, it wasn't even anything like that. One day um, I was, you know, I was there in the club and, and, you know, sometimes the folks that are there go and they tinker, you know, with the piano, whatever, between band sessions and stuff like that. And somebody went on the piano and and I swear that I thought that one of the greats had just like entered, you know, stopped by for a drink and they were going to, you know, just wild the crowd a little bit because it was like the most beautiful jazz playing um, uh, pianist that, that I had heard. And it was literally like, a, you know, like we were being blessed at, in that moment or something like that. And that was him speaking about how he knew Mr. Church. So he was like, this. aside from being a painter and, and a drawer and, and this fucking phenomenally well-read dude that had fucking hundreds of books and an amazing cook, he was this crazy sick jazz pianist also, um, which was dope. And he, what I liked about it, what, 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 I don't know, like stayed with me was that he had like these compartmentalized, like pieces of his own life and everybody knew him to be not necessarily great or although they did know him to be great at these things as as certain individual things but they just knew him for certain specific things and it's like you shared parts of himself with certain people and but not all like he was kind of like sheltered and and shielded himself from it from you know know, exposing too much i guess and that was just like super interesting to me it was pretty cool and um i don't know it just stayed with me i liked it i liked that movie so i recommend it check it out if you guys uh think you might be interested in it it was you know again i really enjoyed the writing the the way uh the movie was laid out um in terms of like narrative choice Uh, i really enjoyed that as well and eddie murphy of course acted his ass off and it was like in a serious role <clears throat> and which was cool and it was a you know movie came out a few months ago last year so it's pretty sick that i hadn't even heard of it next is boss baby boss baby i actually went to the theater to go see i went with my wife she's into uh cartoon movies and stuff like that and has actually gotten me into the, into them i spoke to you guys about 
a few in the past. I think Maona was probably the last one. And we we enjoy going to the movies. It's like a like a thing for us. Um, like uh, you know, I could download movies or allegedly, or you know, buy them online or rent them or whatever. You know, you know, on demand on TV, and you know, Netflix and all that shit. But um, we like we enjoy the experience of going to the movies. You know, um, there's a theater that I go to in Fresh Meadows here in Queens. It's a AMC. And it's uh, one of those movie theaters, which I highly recommend if, if you guys didn't know about them, because I didn't know about them at one point. Um, I recommend you going uh, to one of these. And um, if you do, you, you probably won't go to a regular theater again, because what I hate, I like I've always liked the experience of going to movie theaters. But what I hate about it is like, you know, the the crowdiness of it, the people fucking getting your 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 seat kicked and all that shit um having to rush try to get good seats and if you don't you're fucked but uh this movie theater is one of the uh these are recliner like lazy boy recliner movie theaters so each each individual seat is literally like a big ass lazy boy recliner and so it's a lot less people um because of that you know it's not these cramped little um seats that they you know pack the room with and there's you could literally lay all the way flat down and you still can't touch like the seat in front of you so you don't you don't have to worry about that type of shit and the best part is that you pre-select your tickets when you purchase them and you you know you know exactly where you're going you could go a second before the movie starts and you know nobody's going to be in your seat or anything like that so you don't have to worry about that type of shit and um and, and it's the same price as you know 15 16 bucks you know 13 bucks depending on the theater like it's within that same price range uh which is sick and you know we just enjoy like that process and the popcorn and nachos and slurpees and shit like that whatever we like that shit and uh we went to go see boss baby um which had had a a dope cast like i i knew obviously alex ball um alec baldwin was in it he was the the main baby and but i didn't know that lisa kudrow which was phoebe from friends was in it um my man from uh boardwalk empire uh was in it the uh fuck um what's his name i can't think of his name right now the guy with the buggy eyes he was the fucking main protagonist in uh boardwalk empire he was you know adam sandler's boy steve buscemi he was in it jimmy kimmel was in it um, there was a bunch of people and the movie was, it was entertaining. It was cool. It was funny. Um, the, the coolest part is that there was like a nod to a uh, Glengarry Glen Ross, um, which is a movie that probably, uh, I was speaking about this with my, my boy Pablo, probably only people of like a certain age know about, know about it. And, um, that are, I guess like into like those wall street finance, um, type movies but it's a classic within like that realm of people um it's like less you know a little bit younger crowd would know of the movie like boiler room and even some of the youngest i guess now probably like wouldn't even know about boiler room let alone glengarry glenn ross but in boiler room they reference glengarry glenn ross a lot anyway um and they try to redo that um that famous scene in Glenn Gary Glenn Ross with Alec Baldwin 
uh, which is actually referenced in Boss Baby. They actually try to kind of sort of redo that scene with in Boiler Room with um, Ben Affleck. Like, they do, like, their version of in that movie. And it's, like, rewriting, like, the same scene uh, with the, the same sentiment of a scene, but I would see different words, different characters, different plot. Uh, anyway, in uh, Boss Baby, they reference uh, the movie, which is a movie that the kind of like made Alec Baldwin, if I'm not mistaken, or popularized them even more. And where he tells uh, this group of salesmen, he's like busting their chops and telling them they're not selling shit and they're not worth shit. And he has a Ferrari and or he has a, a BMW, an eighty thousand dollar BMW, and a Rolex watch and this, that, and the third. And they're driving Hyundai's and and you know et cetera, et cetera. He's trying to like hype them up to like sell more by telling them that they're pieces of shit. <laughs> and um he one of the guys gets up he goes to get a cup of coffee and he tells them put that coffee down coffee's for closers and he um uh that's in glenn Gary, glenn ross so then in boss baby um there's like a similar little scene where the little babies are gathered around the living room coffee table and you know he's uh he's speaking to them he has his like little team of babies and one of them is is a fat baby that's eating a bunch of cookies and and he, he like points at him and he's like put that cookie down cookies for closers so that was funny and pretty cool um and yeah that's pretty much what i gotta say about that it was an enjoyable experience recommend it especially if you have kids and shit probably they would like it even more but uh it was cool it was a cool movie i, I wasn't i definitely wasn't mad that i saw it you know that star-studded um cast definitely helped enhance the experience what i did see is a movie that it, it was an all right movie i saw that at uh, my roomie uh Raul's house uh over this past weekend this past weekend or the weekend before uh this past weekend uh it's called boyka undisputed and the the movie was all right it was a, like a fighting movie like a mma type like an underground mma type movie which was cool it was uh, made in russia or at least i don't know if it was made in russia it was uh it, w- it took place in russia the setting was russia like underground russian fucking fedor million ankle type fighting and um the movie was all right you know it wasn't it's was kind of like a predictable plot and and stuff like that wasn't like in and of itself it wasn't a great movie what i what stood out the most to me about the about the movie and uh, is the like the cinematography or the directing i don't know which it is but the way it was shot the way the not the whole movie the way the the fighting scenes were shot i legit think that any and all um mma movies definitely and maybe even uh boxing sequences in 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 some movies should be shot in that the same dynamic way that this one was you know how how like the matrix the way the matrix was shot it kind of then you know it kind of like changed the game in terms of how you know fight scenes and flying and jumping and shit like that you know be, there you could tell if movies pre-matrix or or post-matrix like they played with shit that seemingly wasn't done before and like created a a style that you still see to this day in like movies and tv shows i think this movie boyka the that style that they used 
that I can't even describe. Just watch the movie and you'll know what I'm talking about. It's kind of like a like a first person, but zooms out and dynamic floating around type of like fight sequence shooting. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck it's called, but it was dope. And I think that all fighting movies should be shot in that way. Check it out. I'll put a a link actually in the episode notes of the like the preview for the movie. Um, and if you want to just Google it or whatever, it's called the Boyka Undisputed. B-O-Y-K-A Undisputed. And I also put a link to the famous Glengarry Glenn Ross speech in the episode notes as well that I uh, just referenced. Speaking of fighting, I saw UFC Fight Night Johnson vs. Race live on Fox. It was a free fight. It was sick. Um, the co-main event and the main event were, were dope. The, which other one? The, the middleweight fight uh, with Whitaker. That was, that was uh, dope as well. But Mighty Mouse Johnson, the uh, flyweight champion of the world that's flyweight is 125 pounds by the way for those of you that don't know and he is the he tied the all-time ufc record for title defenses previously held by anderson silva uh which is 12 uh, i'm sorry 11 or 12 11 or 12 title defenses straight he is completely dominant in that weight class he has he's beat like the top 10 uh next contenders and some of them like twice and i think even three he had three fights if i'm not mistaken with um uh joseph benavides um but definitely at least two with a bunch of them and he just demolishes like outclasses them the closest one was a very unexpected close uh close one which wasn't even like close I i think it was still a a unanimous, a unanimous decision, like points wise and stuff like that, but it was like a scrappy fight where where Demetrius Johnson got got caught once or twice and and uh, but just showed like his sick composure um, as a champion. And I I did an episode in the past about about that fight, and I can't remember the fucking dude that he fought. Let me look it up real quick. It was the last dude to win uh, tough. Uh, the Ultimate Fighter show that, uh, remember I told you guys that they did it just for, for him, uh, Tim Elliott. That was his last fight. It was a round five uh, unanimous decision. And he, uh, they did this like tough sh- uh, show, the show that they do, the UFC show. It's like the reality show and the winner gets a UFC contract. They did it with all the champions of all different leagues um, within the same weight of it since you try to get like the cream of the crop, best person because uh, he already wiped out the division within the UFC, so now they're trying to see if somebody else could give him some comp, and Tim Elliott um, actually did. It was a, a scrappy fucking fight, but uh, obviously not not uh, significant in terms of the the outcome. Anyway, this fight, um, he just did more of the same, just a complete fucking technician, and wound up submitting uh, Wilson Reese race in round three. And got a performance of the night bonus uh, for it. So it was, he was, he just dominated. Standing up, he dominated. Um, didn't take him to the ground right away. And when he did have him on the ground, choked him out. And it was done. The rumors I've heard, and I'll tell you guys uh, which I prefer, is 
uh, well, not the rumors. They're saying like he's so dominant at 125 that it only makes sense for him to go up to 135 and challenge for that title. And that would be uh, Cody Nolov, Cody Garbrand, which just beat uh, Dominic Cruz for the title when Dominic Cruz beat uh, uh, TJ Dillashaw in a very controversial razor razor edge fucking uh, fight. And um, Dominic Cruz was the only person that actually defeated Demetri Johnson way early on in their career. So they had fought before. So the UFC could easily like build that up, like build up that that rivalry. You know, it's very very sellable. And uh, even though Dominic Cruz just came off uh, of you know losing the title to Cody, but since he won the title so controversially and then lost it to Cody, the person that he lost it to controversially, which is T.J. Dillashaw, he's now gonna fight Cody for the belt. And they're actually doing the tough show this season. Uh, which is another one that um, um going to be into to watching again because, you know, they have, like, an ongoing rivalry. They used to be part of the same camp, and TJ Dillashaw left and pretty much broke away from that camp. And uh, that fight camp, you know, which is pretty much the gym that you train at or whatever and, like, the crew that you roll with um, within the fight world and, you know, your coaches and shit like that, training partners which oftentimes are other UFC fighters, et cetera, et cetera. And um, they're going to fight uh, for the title. For, for the title. So uh, Mighty Mouse, Demetrius Johnson, I would imagine would do one fight one more time, you know, anybody who wants it within 125, just to, to grasp, you know, right now he's tied with Anderson Silva for most uh, title defenses in UFC history win that record, you know, fight one more time at 125, win that record while TJ and uh, Cody Nola fight. And then he gets the winner of that. That's one way they can go. I say I would rather see he definitely do the 125 uh, fight again. And Demetri Johnson is a very active fighter. He could do like three three to four fights a year. Um, Do the 125. So, you know, secure that, that, um, that record. Uh, imagine he loses, <laughs> then, then the rest of this would like wouldn't matter. Um, but whatever, I would still want to see these fights. Then fight Dominic Cruz at one thirty-five, and then whoever the champion is at that time between uh, uh, you got Cody Nolov and TJ Dillashaw, which is going to be a sick fight in and of itself. Um, but obviously that's coming from as a greedy fan. I want to see like all the fights I want to see, and then I want to then this whole other like rumor. Or whatever, but it doesn't seem as likely. Would be um, Demetrius Johnson fighting uh, Conor McGregor uh, in the UFC, which would be a sick draw, obviously. But they are. Um, DJ is. Uh, he weighs one twenty-five, and Conor McGregor is the one forty-five pound champion as well as the one fifty-five pound champion. However the they both cut a lot of weight uh to get to their weight classes uh dj walks around a lot heavier supposedly and conor mcgregor um has fought at 175 or 185 when he fought nate nate diaz i think it was 175 
and you know he's big and when he used to cut down to 145 he literally looked like like those old school skeleton costumes you used to wear as a kid for halloween that it's like a a fucking spandex suit with a white skeleton painted on it that's how he looked that's how like skinny and emaciated he looked making that cut to 145 um and so that's the maximum lowest that he would probably even ever be able to go physically and um if dj could bump up you know do the 135 with dominic cruz see what happens there and then bump up to 145 and and uh make that fight with mcgregor that would be a fucking another sick way to go so um that would be very interesting but right now they're really entertaining actually the idea of mcgregor fighting floyd mayweather in a boxing match and you know it was very very far unlikely uh before like when it was first rumored everybody like blew that off like ah pff, come on a ufc guy a boxing guy you know what's mayweather got to fucking gain from it he's fucking worth what like half a billion or whatever the fuck and versus mcgregor but i don't know the guy fucking talked his way to it <laughs> it's supposedly a lot closer to being like a signed done deal than than ever rumored before and but, you know nothing's still signed but you have had actual statements made by by the ufc by mcgregor and um floyd mayweather has acknowledged it also you know he said a number that he wanted i believe it was like a minimum of i forgot what it was i think he was like just saying you know he makes a hundred million a fight or whatever the fuck it is that he makes you know why the hell and mcgregor was saying that you know he would want want it to be 50 50 um and mayweather was kind of like the most you've ever made was fucking like 10 million or something like that on a ufc fight you know why would i give you 50 million and whatever i don't know back and forth um shit talking and stuff like that but the ufc did chime in and say that that they'll do 25 million and 25 million and then um divide the the door in a different percentage based way um not the door the pay-per-views which is where they make the bulk of their money. And then Connor talks shit about the UFC and doesn't think he needs the UFC in it to even make this happen um, due to something called the Ali Act, where, you know, since it's boxing, it's not MMA, the UFC shouldn't be involved, but the UFC is, you know, McGregor is on the contract with the UFC and they're his promoter. It's a promotion company. It's not just an MMA company. And whatever. Um, long story short, it would be the most sellingest uh pay-per-view in history of all time so there's a lot of money to be made so that means there's a lot of people interested in making it happen um if they can convince the two to to make it happen it would be fucking sick to see so whatever mcgregor's probably entertaining yeah obviously that more heavily than a uh, fight with dj but i'm pretty sure he would think he has the advantage against dj you know being the bigger man and the sound of you know Let's say he loses to Mayweather, which is very likely because it would be a boxing match, not an MMA fight. Then, uh, you know, the taking the sting off of that with fighting for a third belt in the UFC would be attractive. You know what I mean? Anyway, um, enough of all that shit. It was a dope. It was a dope card. The uh, Rose Namajunas uh, fight was sick too. She beat. 
um, uh, the Karate Hottie, which was sad. Uh, but I like both of them, so uh, those girls go fucking scrap, you know. And um, but I was kind of like rooting for the Karate Hottie a bit. Um, and she got choked the fuck out. And what else? Uh, Whitaker in the middleweight uh, put himself on the map. He he did his thing. He was I don't even know if he was ranked uh, before that fight, but he has to be now. Um, after the performance that that he put up, and if he was ranked, had to be like towards the end of the list, towards the end of the like top ten list or whatever, or top fifteen. And that's all speculation. <laughs> but yeah, it was a it was a dope card, and it was a free card on Fox. So shout out to the UFC. Now let's get to some free writing, boys and girls. As I stated earlier, you can go to spuntoday.com forward slash free writing and i'm gonna be sharing uh, two different posts um from that section of my website with you guys and if you're interested go to sponsor.com forward slash free writing and the first one that i'm gonna be reading and reflecting on was posted on april 15th 2017 it's titled the easiest hardest thing and i wrote it's the easiest hardest thing you'll ever do in your life to paraphrase Joey Coco Diaz isn't that how you feel about whatever it is that you do the juxtaposition of it being an exhausting uphill climb day in and day out coupled with the hindsight of there being absolutely nothing to it it's absolutely astonishing is it necessary for that to exist that angst that build up do we need to go to that place to make it to this one? Does your painting gain the impulse needed while in those moments to land itself on your canvas? Do your words use those moments of trepidation to connect with one another in a way that's worthy of your page? When the climb up that daunting hill seems steeper and longer than in days past, Take a moment to realize how easy life would get to live if this was your main day-to-day task. And I wrote that on Monday, 7, 20, July 20th, 2015, at 11.15 p.m. And there I go again with that, like, rhyming shit that I like while I'm doing it, but I don't like when I'm reading it. I feel like you sound like a fucking, like a douchebag or something. Like, what do you think? You're a fucking French poet guy? And with this, I guess I'm speaking of, again, as like usual shit that, that I'm into or, or, or think of uh, frequently, uh, like writing, like having a hobby, a craft, you know, you could apply to whatever it is that you're into, which is like the angle I usually go for with my writing, actually, like try to write things you know, obviously related to to personal um, leanings and thoughts, but that are broad enough to apply to different facets of my own life as well as other people being able to do that with theirs. And I got the idea from, from if I remember correctly, from, as I said, uh, Joey Coco Diaz, which says something to the effect of, 
um, while he was on the podcast, he said something to uh, the effect of that comedy when he's, you know, speaking about his craft, speaking about stand up comedy, that's the easiest, hardest thing that um, anybody would ever do in their lives. And I got that. I got what he meant by it. Because it's like, it's so easy that it's hard. It's so hard to sit down at your keyboard and write. It's so hard to uh, have a writing goal for the week, for the day, and actually hit it. I want to write X amount of words today. It's so hard to actually do it. Even if you, if you, if you use or when you use certain tips and tricks that you know we've picked up along the way, like you know, literally write, set a goal to write one sentence today. You know, anybody can write one sentence. Even if you do like little tricks like that, which help to or their momentum builders. That's like their purpose. Their purpose is you know you write one and you really wind up writing like two or three. You write two or three, then you know before you know it, oh shit, I wrote you know I wrote two pages today they're that's what they're they're meant to do right but even when you set those small uh manageable digestible targets um sometimes you still you know miss your goal it's like that hard to actually like have the discipline to stick to stuff like that and even when you do it's not it's not like a consistent always thing that you do wind up sticking to my bad guys uh had to pause it real quick and i lost my train of thought but i was saying something along the lines of uh you know sticking to whatever it is that that you're into is so hard in that sense but so easy one of the easiest things that you ever do because it is something that that you love enough to constantly have that that gripe with to have that that to allow that to be a continued sustaining fucking debate that you have with yourself fuck i gotta write today you know it's something that you want is that you at least schedule even if you don't wind up doing it as frequently as you want to but you do do it and when you do it you fucking love it um and it feels like it comes naturally and it's like so naturally that's not even coming from you and and you know the whole concept of the muse and like stuff like that and um then from there i was just toying around with the idea that maybe it's like a light and darkness thing like you can't have one without the acknowledgement of the existence and understanding of the other and then just wondering if you can't have one without the other like you can't just have i mean i guess you can't because there doesn't exist just a phenomenal every single step of anything and everything you know what i mean in like individual lives or target goals like does do things ever go as you know things could go as perfect as planned for certain things but not every single thing and every single time but is that just like a chance thing or like more of an ethereal type of the existence of one creates the possibility of the other and then the other one happens and they had this weird type of symbiotic relationship going on which is what I was referring to by that line, which I actually got from an Eminem song, Not Afraid, um, from the uh, Recovery album, if I'm not mistaken. And I'll play it in the outro notes for you guys uh, during this episode so you can hear it. But in the very beginning of that song, um, M says something to the effect of, sometimes 
we need to go to, to that place to make it to this one. And then he says, if you want to get out of that place, come with me. I'll show you the way uh, or something like that. That's where I got that, that the idea for this line of, oh, that's what I was thinking of when I wrote, do we need to go to that place? Meaning, you know, those days of angst that we can't, you know, muster up the discipline to stick to our schedule or whatever uh, of our craft. Do we need to go to that place? Does that have to exist to make this one when I, it's easy and I'm loving it possible? Um, and I think when M said his line, which is very similar to that, he's referring to his, on a personal micro level, his, um, you know, going through, uh, dark drug issues and now being in a, in a peaceful, positive, uh, way, uh, as well as his rapping style, putting out like a, you know, those shit wacky, not sh- complete shit, but, and that's cause I'm biased, but those like bad albums that he self admittedly, um, describes as bad encore and recovery. My bad. I mean, relapse. Um, he says a line like the last two albums didn't count on encore. I was on drugs on relapse. I was flushing them out. And, um, he kind of is also referencing rapping that shitty kind of like accent, you know, wacky, funny style, which some people like, but I was never into that version of him. And then getting to this, just like dope lyrical king of hip hop, um, type flow that he gets into with other albums like the Marshall Mathers LP one and two, like the Eminem show, etc. Um, and also outwardly to other people, like in the, in a broad sense, that's why Eminem's pen game to me is like, um, the best is cause I like that similar style of that I referenced earlier. Then in a broad sense, that same line applies to other people and shit that they're going through in their lives like stresses and you know health issues and work issues and relationship stuff and money stuff and just any like dark type of negative shit that you're going through and trying to use him and that song and like the sentiment of it as a guide to get out of your funk and of course in a non overbearing way in a non paternalistic way he it's kind of like that casual, if you want to stay in that place, that's cool. That's up to you. Whatever, do you. But if you want to get out, I got you. Follow me. And that's what I meant by, like, that portion of the piece there. But, yeah, who the fuck knows? Do what works for you. That's what we ultimately wind up doing, right? Just to different degrees. And that's it for that piece. The next piece is... You're the center of the universe, which was also posted on April 15th, 2017 to the website. And here's what I wrote. You're the center of the universe. It all revolves around you. It is because of you. Just plain. That all applies to me. (laughs) That's how we all feel, though, right? Or have felt, rather. 
the thought of being in a Truman Show like existence where we're all watching and putting up a front for you. But nah, you're not that special. Yet maybe you are. If we're all from or of God, whatever God is to you, then the source exists in us all. Deep down, we all have this visceral understanding that we are God and God is us. We just sprinkle a little ego over the equation and think that it's a unique and singular thing, not realizing that we're all connected in that way. All along through the same experience, but seeing it through our own lenses, past, present, and future, you're all me, I'm all you, and we're all each other. And I wrote that on Saturday, July 25th, 2015, at 12.46am. And I like that piece. I still like it. I still feel the same way. And oddly enough, like, still feel the same way equally. I guess I just can't make up my fucking mind. And maybe that doesn't matter. But I feel equally about the two parts of that same piece. The first one is like, like that very practical, uh, no, you're not special type of mentality, which I can completely relate with. And the other one that is kind of like, it's definitely not that it's not definitely that you're completely unique and special, whatever, but us as a people collectively, that is, like dope you know it's kind of like that you could take two views on the same thing like the fact that we are like the only known life forms in our universe or whatever you know like billions of stars and and galaxies and stuff like that it's like we're a little tiny grain of a speck of nothing right in that comparison so you can either view that same exact fact with, oh, that means we're like insignificant, like a piece of dust, like we're gone. Or like a little tiny little thing that you just fucking protect and is like so super tiny, and precious and significant um, that it's priceless, you know, at the same time. But you're talking about the same shit. It's just a matter of perspective. So, like, collectively, I feel that we are that. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, that is what? Like, nothing. But that nothing is something. With a tangled web we weave. And I think I just fucking confused myself. So, <laughs> with that, I'm going to wrap the show. Again, you can see that. And... uh other free writing posts, as well as short stories and stuff like that on my website. You can find a ton of shit, photography, all that good stuff on my website, which is located at spuntoday.com. For the free writing stuff, which is the stuff that I just read, that would be under the free writing tab. And by free, I don't mean free monetarily, although it is everything on my website is, uh, in terms of like writing and shit like that, that you can read for free. But I mean free writing in terms of stream of consciousness, because that's how each of those pieces were written. 
And with that, if you want to stick around for a bit, here's the Eminem song that I promised you guys. I'm going to drop in right here, right here, right here. When I do the podcast post-production crap that I got to do to get this from being a recording to you guys. So anyway, enjoy while I tell you guys a few ways that you can help support the podcast if you choose to. One way would be, and not just the podcast, but me, the, the whole King Caboodle, the whole shebang here. The fueling of the continuance of writing projects uh, and future podcasts and stuff like that to keep it all free, keep it all flowing, keep it all going. This is how you can help do that in a myriad of ways. First off, uh, you can join my newsletter. It's called the Midday Monday Boost Letter. And what it is, it's a letter that I send out once a week on Mondays at noon. Uh, just to boost up your Mondays, boost up your week, start the, uh, kick the week off right. And uh, just, you know, when you're getting in the groove of things, back into your normal Monday routine, which uh, for most of us is, you know, just work and family life and stuff like that. And you uh, are looking something to entertain you for a bit. You can receive this email. It's a short email that I send out on Mondays at noon. Hence the name Midday Monday Boost Letter. What it is, is uh, it includes five things that I find interesting. Uh, or five of the things that I'm into. Which is a word of the week, a quote of the week, a video of the week, a podcast of the week, and a photo- uh, photograph of the week. So if it sounds interesting to you, check it out at sponsor.com forward slash subscribe. Uh, there you can actually see a few samples of pre- real previously sent out newsletters uh, for your viewing pleasure. If it seems like something that you'd be into and you want to get your own delivered uh, to your inbox every Monday at noon, sign up for free at spuntray.com forward slash subscribe. I'll also hit you up from time to time and let you know about new uh, writing projects that I have out, whether it be a new short story or, or a new uh, book. Look out for my first, you know, in the works novel. Um, and that should be coming to a bookstore near you in about 20 years at the pace I'm fucking going. <laughs> uh, but yeah, check it out. Also, if you want to uh, be part of the Spun Today podcast, you can fill out my uh, creative uh, geared towards creative uh, questionnaire. It's a five question questionnaire, which asks you things like, "What's the first thing you ever wrote?" and "What type of shit are you into besides besides writing or painting or whatever it is that you're into?" You know, like what movies are you into, or TV shows, or other hobbies do you have? that type of stuff and um if you do fill it out i give you a shout out on the podcast for whatever that's worth maybe you want that or maybe you don't and um 
feel free to use it to you know promote your own podcast or blog or whatever it is that you have going on whatever it is that you're creative with in a free way um i do it because i what i get from it is two things one i get to share them with you guys and you can pick up on tips and tricks based on the feedback that other writers give you on how they get themselves going in the morning or in the evening or whatever they carve out some time to write um how do they make it happen for example and i like stuff like that it's um stuff that you know practical things that you can apply to your life try it see if it works for you see if it doesn't whatever but it's real experience of real other people that um that certain things work for uh so check that out if you're interested at sponsor.com forward slash questionnaire if you're into photography you can check out my photography at sponsor.com forward slash photography it's pretty self-explanatory uh i take pictures of shit i think some of them look cool so i put them up on there you can download all of them for free uh, if you want to and enjoy uh check out my book after all i am a wannabe writer and i do have one self-published book it's not the novel that i've been writing for god knows how fucking long but it's my non-fiction book that is titled make way for you it's available in all ebook formats and you can buy it on you know any ebook reader that you have whether it be ibooks kindle uh, smashwords kobo writing life etc etc uh, you can download it um you can also purchase a paperback copy at amazon uh, but for all the links to all those places go to sponsor.com forward slash books where you can also request a free copy if you want one i'll send you a free pdf copy all you gotta do is drop your email address in and that will actually also give you like a two-in-one a two-in-one double whammy it'll subscribe you for the midday monday boost letter and um which is just my main general distribution list to get in touch with you guys if you are interested check it out at sponsor.com forward slash books another way that you can help support the podcast like i mentioned earlier is by using my amazon banner uh, the Amazon banner on my website is located at spontay.com forward slash affiliate links. And here you, um, all you got to do is click on the Amazon banner. It takes you to Amazon. You do your shopping the way you normally do on Amazon. And it does not cost you anything extra. But I get a kickback just for driving traffic to their website, um, which uh, would help. Obviously, it would be dope. There on the affiliate links banner page, you also find links to my Patreon page, which is a way that you guys um can help support the podcast on a per episode basis it's kind of just like a recurrent donation type of thing you could donate 50 cents a penny a dollar whatever the fuck you want and it would be greatly appreciated as well you get a link there to my viral style uh store which uh pretty much my merch store my bootleg merch store that i have um but they have you know cool things you can play around with designing your own t-shirts and like stuff like that i have a few t-shirts on there uh geared towards like writers and you know just like the spontray logo um which was designed by my boy peter and link to shout out to peter link 
um, to Peter's uh, design page and stuff like that, if you guys want to reach out to him, is also always in the episode notes, um, crediting him for, for that design. And what else? I recently um, made a shirt that I thought was cool called Podcast vs. Everybody. You guys know how you know big I am on, on podcasts, and I think they're just like dis- disrupting like the whole space, radio space, and it's going to go beyond that in ways that we haven't even like thought of yet um similar to how the internet like just opened up like a whole world i think podcasts are gonna do like a very similar thing um but that could be over exaggerating and, and like overstating it but i do think that but anyway you know like those shirts that you have like new york versus everybody detroit versus everybody fucking kansas versus everybody you know like just like weird shit like that i made one called podcasts versus everybody so if you want your very own check out my viral style store it's a a dope uh soft t-shirt like uh, materials just regular t-shirt uh, but not cheap quality you can order it in a variety of colors and sizes and it is 19.99. I think it's 25 bucks, and that's with shipping, or less than 25 bucks with shipping. Um, so if you're interested, check it out. There's also a few other ones on there, like uh, Write Need Every Day and Writing Is Life, and whatever. I played around with a couple of different designs that I just came up with, but I'm not a shirt designer. So if you're looking for some, you know, dope Gucci type shit, I'm not your guy. But if you want a cool T-shirt that guy that does a podcast that you listen to fucking made and you want to support that's a way to support or buy it for like your cat or something to use it as a blanket whatever you can also help support the podcast by rating and reviewing the podcast i would really appreciate it if you guys listen on itunes or stitcher or iHeartRadio or google play or wherever it is that you listen to this podcast uh rate it give it a rating i would appreciate it check out the spun today youtube page the best way to get to it is to just search spun today in youtube um if you're on my website you can click on any of the youtube links on there it'll take you to my page and there you can hear like excerpts of the show like i break it down like per topic um instead of you know you listen to the entire show you can just listen and share little little clips or whatever that you like i'd appreciate your support there and follow me on social media like the facebook fan page at facebook.com forward slash spun today spun today on twitter and spun today on instagram and it's pretty much it folks I uh, appreciate the fuck out of you all listening. Shout out to Virginia. <laughs> um, and as always, folks, substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. Thanks for listening.